Welcome back to In With The New and XFL Podcast. Me and Jordan here all about it. What up, y'all? We were gone last week, but uh, a lot has happened in the XFL in that these past two weeks. No uh, week four and week five had just jumped off the map. I think, for me, it's basically, what's going on right now? Like No one knows. We, we had the first couple of weeks where we're like, okay, these are the top teams. Mm-hmm. These are the mediocre teams. These are the really bad teams. And now it's like flip-flopped, right? The bad teams are beating the good teams. We've yeah. got the whole shake-up in the XFL, and uh, it's kind of a little like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, it's all it's, it's all confusing. I mean, there is there is one consistent team with the Roughnecks. Of course. But other than that, and even the teams that, you know, struggle, like the Vipers and Dragons, they've been holding up pretty well yeah. against these, like, solid teams. Which I think is great for fans, right? No We're doubt. starting to see this strong play. You know, we, we see that. Any team is beatable, right? Yeah, no doubt. It's definitely a good thing. And we remember, yeah, I mean, it was like, could the XFL survive despite possible inconsistency in terms of competition? Yeah. And yet here we are. We have no idea where any game's going in terms of direction. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely it's definitely a positive. But if it gets to the point where it's almost too unpredictable and too scattered, it might have a feel like, can yeah. we attach to any team? Because even with the uh, Houston Roughnecks yeah. there, it was like, I was thinking at the end there, you know, thinking, are, are they going to be able to pull this out? Yeah, it looked like, close. you know, um, the Dragons jumped out to like, what, 17 0 uh, lead over them yeah. right away. And you the same thing with the Vipers and Wildcats. The Vipers yeah. were up 17 zip against uh, LA. Yeah. Was, oh, that was the score that was 17 zip. I think the Wild, the. It was, it was 14 zip. Something like that. Yeah. It was a quick jump out for them. Um, a quick stra- uh, strip sack no from, doubt. By P, uh, from PJ. Um, so let's get let's just start into this. Let's go with the headlines of Week Five in the XFL. The headlines for me, is, of course, we talked about a pre-show, Jordan and I. It's the QB shakeup, right? Yeah. We're starting to see these, you know, quarterbacks that are just, you know, it's starting to just rotate in there a little bit of a merry-go-round right now with the quarterbacks. You know, of course, DC um, benches Cardell Jones after the opening drive. He throws that interception. And boom, all of a sudden Tyree Jackson gets thrown in there and he ends up winning the game for them. I, I mean, mean, how awful has Cardell Jones been? It's, he drops two straight games to teams that weren't very good. It's not that he that dro- we thought. It's not that he dropped them. He was miserable yeah. in them. And then that throw that just started out the oh. game, he's like, Okay, let's see, let's go, Cardell. Right, everybody. Yeah. You know, you started out, you were the man, the myth, the legend. You were undefeated. You've never lost a game in your in your collegiate and professional career. And then what the heck happened? I don't know. Like he just rolled out and stinking Try to bomb that down the field, but it was horribly underthrown, and it was just a little bit of a mind blow, mind blown for me. Yeah, and that was obviously week four when that happened. They decided to bench him, and then heading yeah. into week five, they didn't even start Cardell. Yeah, they officially put him on the bench, started uh, Jackson. Correct. Yeah. His name? Yes. And uh, it, to me, at least when I look back at that week four matchup um, against the who were they playing? Battlehawks. Battlehawks. Yeah, you're exactly. Um, that game, it wasn't like Jackson did anything spectacular. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a single receiver that was even close to like 50 yards in terms of, um, reception, um, passing or whatever, receiving yards. Sorry. That's what I meant. Um, and it was just the running game and that, yeah. that kind of carried the running game really did kind of shoot them through that down. little, uh, be able to carry that game for them and, and really took the load off of Jackson. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, but yeah, you're exactly right. Cardell bench, which really, I mean, it needed to happen 100%, I think. Surprising, yeah. It is, but it's very surprising, especially considering the first two weeks he was, like, the top quarterback in the XFL. Mm, him and, and P.J. Walker battling out. You're like, who's exactly. going to win the MVP? Exactly. Now it's like maybe even uh, P- 
PJ just walk away with that trophy at the end there. But that, but obviously the defenders aren't the only team. No. Um, we we talked about the Guardians. Let me just say this right off the bat to the folks at home. Micah is a wizard. All right. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what he gets. You know this information from. He has some insider information. But the fact that the Guardians have now stuck with Luis Perez after that week last week against the Wildcats, you know his old team in L.A. He was able to get the. Um, did they win that game? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he totally won that game. And he comes into the next game, um, and he starts that game too. They didn't even call on anyone else. Matt yeah. McGloin, the whole Matt McGloin drama, it it's, seems like it's, it's out, out the door. I mean, thanks for the props there, Jordan. But for me, it was like, yeah, we. I even said it. I said back in week three, I said, when they go into that game, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, Luis Perez is going to come with a chip on his shoulder if he gets that, if he, you know, his number gets called and he goes and get that starting huddle. And for Perez being able to just get out there, go to L.A. Or no, it was in New York. They're in New York and um, him able to dice up the Wildcats like that. Coming off that big victory, you know, it seemed like they had the momentum. The steam was rolling. And and then, of course, this last week, um, them being able to just secure that victory as well. Or you said 80-yard bomb oh, yeah. he threw to that receiver. Yeah, um, against Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It was just a beautiful play by him. And he's just a very accurate quarterback, you know. Uh, that's what I mesmerized by him the most is like, okay, he's not f- super flashy with all of his like, you know, the the sidearm throws like you get from PJ Walker or the crazy juke speed stuff. Yeah. But he is just, you know, you say put the ball right there, he's putting the ball right there. It's and, consistency. And it, it's really cool to be able to see that from him and just the amount of uh, skill he has, which I thought he had when I watched him in the AAF a couple years ago or last year. And, uh, he might get a call too. Uh, he's just very accurate, and he he'll, he'll kind of slide under the radar a lot of times. D two kid, we, we talked about the whole thing. Yeah, the whole story and, is phenomenal. For yeah, uh, but his story and his competitiveness and just his ability to just drop stuff in on yeah. a dime is really fun to watch. I think you're so right about the fact that he's not a flashy quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. but but what he's really good at is playing well enough to win ball games. Yeah. So since he's been the starter, two wins for the Guardians, which it seemed like. At that one point when they lost three straight, they were just out of it completely, and now here they are. Yeah, and you see, all of a sudden you see their quarterback starts playing well, then their defense starts playing well again. Sure. You see these amazing plays by the D line, uh, you know, the slap it down. Who was that? That was uh, um, the Guardians, Ryan Mueller. Yeah, know, he bat, bat that ball down and be able to take that in for six. Just such an athletic play, and and when you start getting good play on offense, then the defense feeds off of it. And the whole thing starts rolling for the Guardians, and it's it's good to see them 100%. find that success. Yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. Um, some other changes. Next, yeah, next QB shakeup is of course Seattle. They yeah. decide to go with Daniels, which yeah. which was a little surprising to me. Yeah, because they've even though Brandon Silver's wasn't fantastic by any stretch of the imagination in the first uh, four weeks, um, it seemed like that they were going to stick with him. Yeah, and we talked about it on the show previously. It seemed kind of you know strange to you know bench him after he had the first three four starts, but they weren't they aren't winning football games, so they decided to bring in Daniels, and he kind of mimics that same format that we've been talking about in terms of modern day quarterbacks, mm-hmm. agile quarterback uses his legs um, against the Roughnecks. He had two rushing they had two rushing touchdowns. They had that Q types uh, QB sweep type play, yeah, um, right there on the goal line. I was they're they're loving that that play for him, and I think uh, from him it was just good to see him be more of the game manager in my eyes of, of, of being able to do stuff with his feet, being able to extend plays, you know, of course with uh, um, his arm and being able to get, you know, dial in those passes. But uh, I think what also is exciting for them is just the fact that they played the roughneck so well. 
right? Sure. And you go in there, and, and the Roughnecks are a hard, hard team to beat right now. You know, they got all the momentum. They've got the great players, P.J. Walker. And you all go in there like, this is, it almost feels like impossible, right? They're undefeated. And then they really should have come out with a victory in that game. You know, the the whole ref scandal yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end there, you're like, oh, maybe they could have, you know, pulled one out at the end. But It's tough to say. I mean, it was, it was the second left. It was, the second 20, left would have been tough. It, it, would, it, it was been a nine-point game. Magical play. Yeah. There were two things would have had gone very right for them. Yeah. But the, the them being able to just stick with that team and, and find that confidence, I think, is really cool to watch for them. The only hard part about it for Seattle now, though, is that they're one and four. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to catch up into the standings. And it just kind of is a bummer for them because I feel like every single game they play, they always lose, you know, tight games. Mm-hmm. They've lo- every single time. I mean, the week before, um, when they played, who they played? They played the Battlehawks, and it was—I uh, don't know if it was a one-score game, but it was a very close game. And Seattle wasn't able to come away with it, so they're having a tough yeah. time closing out games despite leads that they you mm-hmm. know, might have gotten. They had a 14-point lead in that game against Houston, yeah, and they weren't able to hold on. So Seattle, um, I think it's. You know, we'll see what happens with Daniels. I think it's an interesting move, and I think it needed something needed to be done because they just weren't winning enough games. Yeah. So and yeah, as you said, they the offense seemed like it worked well around his style of play. Mm. So and I'm sure they'll just continue to build on to that yeah. as the season progresses for sure. Sure. And then of course um, Dallas, they they have their quarterback change. They went ahead and they. Um, Philip Nelson Phillip got Nelson. the start for Dallas Renegades. The reason why Landry Jones in the matchup uh, against the Roughnecks last week had another knee injury. Uh, supposedly he's out for two weeks, so I guess I'm assuming he's not going to be starting next week either. But yeah. um, Nelson got that week one start. Mm. Um, I wonder how much – what do you think, though, on this? So you, you get the whole Aaron Murray thing, you know, week one. He got the foot injury. Yeah. He played bad. Okay, he got a foot injury. You know, kind of saved his butt a little bit. And then you got this whole thing. It's like, okay, Philip Nelson, he Landry Jones – through like five interceptions in the last game or whatever. He's, he's been throwing interceptions every game. And then Philip knows, oh, he's injured. So Phillip, like, is that so much? To, do you think it's to cover their backs a little bit, or is that you think these injuries are legit? I don't know. No, I mean the it, when I saw the play mm. where he got hurt, I was like, okay, yeah, he's gonna be out for a while because okay. I already knew he had previous knee injuries. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, Lancer Jones, he came on. Sure, I don't think I don't think he was necessarily game fit. Yeah, just by the way he played, by the way he walked around the sidelines, he just didn't look like he was really that fully engaged. Um, so yeah, possibly the injury could be some sort of excuse for the multitude of interceptions he's thrown this <laughs> season. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Dow- the Renegades issue is fully in terms of them not being able to find a consistent quarterback. Yeah. Um, just turnovers. Is turnovers is just a massive issue for them, and Nelson. Look, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for him. He's kind of thrown into this situation, and especially this last game against the Guardians. He was forced to throw the ball so many times, yeah, and it didn't work out in his favor. And I don't yeah. think there was any way that the Renegades were going to win that football game in general. Yeah, I don't he, think Dallas played well at all. Yeah, you throw three or four picks, and, and that, again, that's just the, the over and over and over the tale of the story of the Renegades is the turnover battle with these quarterbacks not yeah. being able to hang on to the ball and continue these drives and stretch them out further. And it's just like you gotta be scratching your head as Bob Stoops just being like, "Come on, it's like let's we're right here, we're a good team, like th- we just gotta take care of the football." You know, that's the name of the game. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the you know that's basically the most of the QB shakeup that we've seen. Um, I want to I want to shout out someone, okay. and I'll do it in the game recaps too. It's just kind of like maybe a preview, but something that we haven't seen that's been surprising 
is um, the Vipers are have a consistent quarterback hey. in Cornelius. Cornelius, he, we we dogged him the first couple we episodes. Made fun of him. It was Cornelius and yeah. the whole Cornelius. thing. <laughs> the whole thing, but he actually kind of played with a little bit of confidence. He's, and a little, he's throwing that ball into tight windows, and it, it was cool to see him start completing those passes. I mean, the last two weeks, the Vipers' offense has been great, mm-hmm. and I don't know where that transition happened. I don't know, you know, what like I don't. I just don't know how. I it think goes. it's the. You're starting to see these bad teams play well. Yeah. And I think it's just like, you know, timing, right? We, we, what did we say? Two months they got practicing together and like after before the draft yeah. or after it. And just when you, it's tough to pr- produce a very well product of football when you only have like two or three months barely to even get a product rolling, right? Yeah, you know, no these doubt. are guys meeting each other for the very first time. They got to learn all these new schemes, all the checks, all the coverage, you know, the whole, all the plays, everything in that amount of time. And chemistry's got to be built. Quarterback, especially for offense, chemistry is huge. Even defense too, with like communication between the secondary and the middle, the backers and sure. and the D line. But for the offense, like just chemistry with ball touch. Like, okay, this is a different human's hand going back mm. and throwing a ball, and like the spin could be different, or who knows? And like, okay, how fast is that guy? What's his gait like? And dropping those balls into different. That's why I was so impressed with Luis Perez being able to just drop those balls into yeah, dimes because exactly. he's not played with these guys and he comes in. He's probably not getting a ton of reps at practice, right? Because he's what he was. He, was the, like he started string. the third string yeah. at the beginning of the season. There's another crazy story for him and his, you know, testimony of life. Yeah, <laughs> but XFL uh, third stringer. Seriously, coming in and just dropping dimes, yeah. but uh, he's thrown to a spot really. But for a lot of those. Um, receivers that chemistry has got to be built and that's why I think these teams like Cornelius is like they're getting more and more weeks stacked on more reps and and chemistry staying after practice longer and you're starting to see these guys really click I just find it funny that out of all the teams we just mentioned have who have had quarterback shakeups the Vipers aren't on there yeah when it seemed like two weeks ago that they had no feasible option to start and all of a sudden Cornelius started playing well so as well I got to give him credit for that do you want to talk about Yeah, that? so I'm going to jump right into the next headline. For me, yeah. you know, defensive guy, you're starting to see what's better than a big man with a football in his hand, right? You get these D linemen dropping into coverage. I don't know. It's what, rare. What the heck? That was, what was that play? Uh, the defensive linemen showed up all over, yeah. right? You know, the first, uh, in the first game, the LA Wildcats, Reggie Howard, man. He dropped back like a, you know, stand-up linebacker. You know, he just dropped back right into that little zone coverage underneath, that little hole. Boom, picks that thing off, perfect hands. Not he doesn't even bobble the ball. He just er, you know, er, Beckham that thing right in yeah, the air yeah. and just takes off for the sideline. You know, he's holding the ball in one hand, just getting this whole like Classic. doing Deion Sanders type moves. And you know, big man with the ball in his hand is super fun to watch. You no know? doubt about it. I, and I, I love defensive schemes where you see D linemen, even those big D tackles drop back into coverage. It reminds <laughs> me of when I mean I'm a Packer fan, so J- obviously Jay, are you on Harrison? Uh James Harrison? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. That was that was amazing. Super Bowl, Super Bowl 40, against yeah, forty three against awesome. the Cardinals. The hundred yard pick six. <laughs> yeah. But what I was thinking was NFC Championship game, big BJ Raji, but maybe like yeah, yeah, yeah. fifty four hundred pounds get to pick six against the Bears in the two thousand ten NFC Championship game. Highlight of my life. It was awesome. Yeah. No, so I, it kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> I thought when I see it, I'm always like James Harrison. James, yeah, yeah, Get yeah. the James Harrison Super Bowl against the Cardinals, awesome a hundred yard return. He's just laying in the end zone like. I don't blame them. 100 yards. <laughs> and dead. they were in like Miami, too. I'm sure it was humid as heck over there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, and then the Wildcats, more big men stepped up. The strip sack, and then all of a sudden, uh, Boogie Roberts, you know, doing his little boogie, and he picks up that uh, yeah. pick, uh, that fumble, scoop and score right there. You know, big man with the ball in his hand, scoring a touchdown. You know, that's super fun to watch. No doubt. And moving over to the next game was 
the Guardians, Ryan Mueller. He bat the ball the heck out of the air. Yeah, you mentioned you that know, one. He, he just well, – uh, Dallas quarterback, what's his name? Um, Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, Nelson gets the uh, – he, you know, just – like you said earlier, he's had to throw a million times during this oh game, God. and he has a lower release. His kind of his release is like right here, yeah, and and a little, little lower angle. Kind of reminded me of like a was a Philip Rivers type angle oh, arm, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Not he doesn't push the ball so much, but it, it's a lower release. And uh, him Mueller being able to get up there and stinking bat that ball down, and then have the athleticism and the hands to be able to catch it, and then he's stinking stiff arms. Um, Nelson right off of him. He's just, get off me, Nelson, Classic. and just runs right in the end zone. Like, there's nothing better than being able to pick off the quarterback right there and then stiff arm right in the face and yeah. go score a touchdown. So we got two of those this week. Oh, yeah. None better. And sometimes Maybe. it feels like these big D linemen have better hands than these cornerbacks. Seriously. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening there. I can't tell you any cornerback. It's the great supple hands. I mean, yeah. It's nice. Good stuff. Um, Nelson, or I guess not Nelson. Um Ryan Mueller, I guess he they try to when he was in the NFL they try to switch him over to fullback a few times because he oh, does have the hands. He's a bigger body, but um, kind of just dual threat kind of player. Yeah. Um, but him at the defensive end position, being able to make a big play for the Guardians. Phenomenal. How about that? Get that Guardians D back. I don't know. I've been waiting they, for that. They've been. They came back. They and did. They came back aggressive. That was fun to watch. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that. Perez has a lot of. Um, credit for that. Yeah. Just kind of bringing back energy, energy in the locker room. It just seemed like as soon as he came in, especially, what was that, week three when he played the last couple yeah, of plays, yeah. and it just all of a sudden, the the stuff's just working. And, and sometimes you just need that spark. You don't know where it comes from, but you just need it. Um, last headline of the week that I want to talk about is... It's the big one. The big ref call. Yeah, the you blunder. Know, the ref totally just absolutely what we pay to see in the xfl is these last second comebacks and absolutely robbed the dragons from able to do that too from a chance yeah i mean we, we talked about it the houston versus seattle game it's 32 to 23 right it's a nine point game which is a one score game in the xfl according Indeed. to the new rules you get Indeed. the three point line you know we go for it nine point game tied up it goes overtime and we're actually maybe see a shootout like that shootout type thing we haven't seen that yet yeah. which is i really want to see and so it's it's PJ Walker, you know, he's going for the kneel and it's fourth down. So fourth down, clock stops. Well, clock stops in general, but fourth down, you know, it's over. Yeah. And even even without that rule, the tackle was made when there was a second left on the yeah. clock. He got both his hands on Walker when he was down. So the clock absolutely should have stopped. Yeah, so he takes it back and then Walker kneels, you know, and there's apparently two seconds left on the clock. The dragon should have gotten the ball back. With one last attempt on there, what was it? They're in the red zone, they're, right? They're, yeah, on, the they're 22, on the twenty, the twenty-two yard line. Uh, but the ref called the game, and the clock had gone. To, he said he, the clock gone, gone to zero. That's the ball game, you know. Robbing the dragons of any type of last second hill mary. What do you mean a hill mary play? It'd be a twenty. Yeah, it'd have to be a twenty-two you know, yard pass. Yeah, solid post <laughs> route would have got him in. Yeah, but the, the thing is, for that, for me, no, no question, the mm-hmm. referees got it wrong, and. Um, and as we saw, I mean, the XFL, this this league has proven mistakes will cost you big time. So he well, was ended up being suspended. Yeah. Um, reassigned is what reassigned, they called it. So I don't know what that means. He's going to I think uh, that essentially means Foot Locker. He but. Got, yeah, he got <laughs> dropped, basically. But it's just so funny because, you know, and right when we saw each other yesterday, we talked about uh, the XFL and we talked about this week and that play and how the NFL is so polar in terms of the way that they treat referees uh, mm-hmm. through mistakes. Obviously, the big one was the NFC Championship game, missed off or missed defensive pass interference, would have set up the Saints for a Super Bowl run potentially. 
Mm-hmm. Um, ref missed the call, and he's still refing today, and he's probably still a sideline judge, and it is what it is. But the the NFL, I guess, is just far more uh, um, lenient. And like, lenient, these are exactly. our guys. The whole like union, they're probably like a union behind it and everything too. No doubt. So, like these guys have rights and the whole like. But you think about it, players and coaches. They they lose big games or they lose games off of stuff like that. People get fired for that type. Yeah, of stuff. I know. Like coaches get fired, players you know get let go. They get cut. And for a team like Seattle, who's one and four, I mean they're they getting to that, that potential where yeah, like know. that's like if they go in there and they somehow get away with the last thing of victory from the Roughnecks, that's huge for the huge. organization. Yeah. That's so like so you got to give them a chance, especially when it's within the rules of two seconds and the potential to. Like we all want to watch is this whole comeback period with the last two minutes and, and the fact that the three point um, extra point is available. Well, we really want to see that. But this is the se- this is a statement. The statement put out by before, before when you get that up, I'll just yeah. mention uh, PJ Walker was absolutely foolish on that play. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> Maybe it was just like they just didn't have enough time to communicate. But the coach, you hear the coach on the sideline saying, "PJ, just throw it to their bench because then obviously you just heave it up. The clock would have ended." Yeah. And uh, he just took a knee for some reason. I don't know what he was thinking. Wait a sec. Uh, so they said, uh, this is the statement on Seattle game. With a nine-point differential in the score, Seattle was denied an opportunity to tie the game. The XFL sincerely regrets this error. In addition, Wes Booker, who served as the officiating supervisor for Sunday's game, has been reassigned. So they said reassigned. Don't know what that means. It could mean he could just... be, you know, they can. They can him. It but, could be anything. Uh, it really could. But I, I, the, I think... Yeah, I think he, he probably just got cut. I don't know. Uh, get out of here. Who knows? We'll figure it out eventually, I guess. All right, so since we missed last week, I'll just go ahead and mention a few game recaps for week four. Nothing really too crazy. Mm-hmm. Guardians, Wildcats. Uh, obviously, the Guardians were able to get that win. Talked about Luis Perez coming in and in and, and, and L.A. Stick it to his old team. Stick it team. to his old team. So it was good stuff. Tough loss for L.A., another one. Yeah. The L.A., they're just kind of stacking up these really tough losses. Um, well, the good thing there, you know, uh, backing up uh, going into week five, though, that was a big win for them to be able to get that victory oh, against the Vipers. Yeah, we'll get into that for sure. Um, Dragons, Battlehawks, not really a big surprise here besides the fact that Daniels came in for Silvers. Hmm. Um, you know, St. Louis, they just win They win games. They, they struggled against the defenders, which was a shock, but um, they looked phenomenal against Seattle. They had a great defensive game. Yeah. And then, you know, for Seattle again, I just, I, I just kind of think – they need to figure out a way to win football games. And I don't know, and season's running out. Schedule is just going to continue to stroll along. And with the unpredictab- unpredictability factor of it all, we'll see yeah. how they... I think with a lot of these teams that, you know, that they have the poor records and, and they're starting to just now find themselves and play better football. As I look back to, like, you know, making a comparison of the 49ers. So a year ago, um, before they made their Super Bowl run, they... You know, would they go four and twelve, something like that? And they and you look at the game. It was, I think like nine or ten of those games were lost by three, three or less exactly. points. Exactly. And so it's like you're you're about you're about to win. You just can't pull it out in the end. And then you see the next year the transition over, and you see all of a sudden see them start winning those games, those tight games. They they start winning and winning and winning them, and then boom, um, they end up making a Super Bowl run. And then of course they lose. But a lot of credit uh, to Shanahan though. I mean, yeah, the you got to give all the credit to him. The whole four and twelve to. To now they you know they, they were like thirteen and three. Yeah, the whole the whole record was um, pretty impressive. So I think a lot, a lot of those these teams. I don't know if you'll start to see that, but these guys, you know, they're like, dang, like they were so close, and yeah. then they learn that like, okay, this is we have to take it to a whole another level to be able to win these games. No doubt. 
Um, Houston, Dallas. So it was the Texas showdown. Mm-hmm. Kind of a boring game. Nothing really there besides Jones' injury. Something I wanted to mention was that Walker. I mean, he was impressive, all like always. You know, two hundred and thirty-nine yards. He threw two interceptions or two touchdowns compared to one pick. But it's he didn't seem as dominant as we're used to him seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I saw with my eyes. And I think that narrative continued next week. I mean, this week against Seattle. We'll get into it. But I think possibly P.J. Walker starting to slow down a little bit. He, he potentially could. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think there was a couple of plays where there was like one errant throw when he threw to the flat and it was just picked off. And then uh, another one where he's in the pocket and as a quarterback, you know, I guess he credit to him, I guess he – he doesn't see his blind side there, oh, yeah. but he did on that first drive. Like he's got all this room over here, right? You know, like got to use your legs. You have all this room over here. What do you think's back here? Yeah. Everybody else. So exactly. he's got to be able to just feel that pocket presence. See, I know he's looking downfield, but be able to see that in his peripherals there, that this is all open space, start to move in the pocket and be able to, cause he's, we've seen it. He's so good on the run. He's so good. Even, even running with his feet, but also exactly. on the run, throwing the ball. And so I think, uh, he just got to be able to just, you know, I think the, it's great for him to be able to play all these games because he'll start getting better and better with pocket presence. Hopefully he just doesn't build any bad habits, which will, you know, bite him in the butt um, if he does make that NFL jump. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's, it's intriguing to see. And you you mentioned in that game he had three turnovers. That's the first time we've seen him. One of them was almost a pick six. Yeah. One of those interceptions. So, and it, he just misread the defense completely on that play. So, and then the last game in week four was the Tampa and D.C. I mean, it was a shocking Result. I think it was like twenty-five to zero. Mm. The defenders got completely shut out. That Cardell was, Jones, what the heck? Nine for twenty-two. They put up a good old goose egg. So he's he's benched as we mentioned previously. I just can't believe the the turn. We we talked about it earlier already, but still, like it's, it's nuts. The we what we I was praising the stinking uh, Cardell Jones and we all were Hep Hamilton. The whole the whole camaraderie, the swagger they played with. It just seemed like they were the team, and I just can't believe we're seeing this downfall, this it's, absolute implosion. It's been and it's happened fast for sure. It's crazy, and I think a lot of it too. We can get into it deeper, but I think a lot of it too was that they had two home games to start the year. There was just some new excitement behind, yeah, you know, football. And DC and the XFL, so maybe that had a lot to do with it too. Yeah. So once they kind of got away from that comfortable environment, things started to kind of collapse. Yeah, I guess a good point to make is like when you win, sometimes some of your failures get hidden, right? Some mm-hmm. of the things you're deficient on, they get hidden because you win. Yeah, you win, and you're like, oh yeah, we won. Like what the heck, we're amazing, right? So then your those little deficiencies start to get hidden. But then of course when you lose, like like we're seeing this whole flop in the XFL. Um, except for the Roughnecks. But the whole flop is the the good teams are losing to these bad teams because these bad teams, you know, have gotten exposed. They've lost, and they've decided, okay, what are our deficiencies right now? And they'll be able to look at it and say, okay, this is what we're really bad at. This is what we're really bad at. Okay, this is what we're good at. And they start to f- figure that out in game plan and kind of get to reassess themselves faster and um, start to see, like, you know, better play out of them. 100%. Um, another thing I wanted to mention in this game, real quick, we saw history with this game in a way. We saw that for the first time a pair of running backs each get 100 yards, hey, which was pretty pretty Rushing cool game exists in the XFL, what? I know, seriously. And then add that with Cornelius, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're going to win games. He yeah. looked fantastic. So Devon Smith, he had 122 yards on 24 carries. And then Jaquez Patrick had a 108 on 21. So yeah. um, Tampa. Devon Smith is leading the 
um, XFL in rushing. Is he now? Yeah. So over he, Jones? He just went over Matt Jones. It's 365 to 314. Mm. Okay. Which is good stuff. Yeah. Something to see in there in Tampa. And then, so we'll just go ahead and go into week five. We kind of talked a lot about the Dragons and Roughnecks already. Talked about Walker's, you know, somewhat inconsistencies. Talked about the final play um, that was ended up being a fault by um, the officiating. And then we also talked about the 14-0 lead, and they had that in the second quarter. The Dragons did, but ended up Houston kind of started getting hot. P.J. Walker started getting hot. Cam Phillips had another phenomenal game. Talk about the best receiver in the XFL. I don't think there's any question. No, he's leading by over 100 yards in the receiving. And category. then you, you four, can even he's got 455 receiving yards right now. The next receiver has 338. Yeah, and right. you can and his number of touchdown receptions is I can't even imagine what it is at this point. It's probably like seven or eight. He had two again in this game. So yeah, he's he's been phenomenal. Um, I mean that's really all to say about that game. Yeah, I, think. I think we so. kind of got into that one quite a bit. Um, Guardians running gates. Lisa Perez show yet again. The Matt McGloin drama, no more. Mm-mm. Seems like it's brought in a whole new situation um, for the New York Guardians, which has been exciting for them. Yeah. Um, I think the real difference in that game, though, was the turnover, dintura- uh, turnover differential. Um, you know, again, we mentioned it. Nelson threw a lot of passes. He threw 49, Jeez. completed 28 of those. What he happened to Matt? I mean, uh, not Matt Jones. Cameron Artis Payne. Uh, wait, That's another thing. Dunbar, like, why aren't we feeding these guys more? And you you look at those numbers. Um, Artis Payne and um, Dunbar only had 31 yards combined in that yeah. game, which I mean, I mean, honestly, Payne, Payne is the fourth leading rusher even without that game. Yeah. So it's like, why are we not feeding the rock to the, basically the two best running backs? I think you know are in the XFL, like the top. One of the some of the top two. Yeah, and it's not like they weren't in a situation. For example, like the Wildcats and against Tampa, they were behind. Mm-hmm. So you look at those numbers. Yeah, they had to pass the ball a lot to get back into the football game. This game was tied at six at half. Um, yet they continued to pass with Nelson. Didn't work out in their favor, and it, it is a bummer because I mentioned last show. I feel like Artis Payne and Dunbar is the closest thing that the NFL has to a running back duo, double-headed monster kind of situation. Yeah. Both guys had experience in you know the NFL, and they've looked fairly consistent for the past several weeks, but this week they just weren't given the ball enough, Yeah, and it hurt them. So move on into the next game there. Yeah, we can uh, go ahead. Well, what do you think? What do you think's next for the Renegades, honestly? Because, well, you know. The narrative has been said multiple times that we expect them to be the best team in the XFL, and now yeah. here they are. I think we just expected better from Landry Jones, and maybe we're harping into him, on harping into him too hard here because of the knee injury. But I just thought that Oklahoma connection between Stoops and and uh, Landry Jones was just going to be electric, right? And they had the two backs, Artis Payne, Dunbar, like this whole. It just seemed like it was going to be. An offensive juggernaut, right? And it hasn't worked. Hasn't. And it, yeah, I mean, definitely they're, they're, injuries is part of the problem. Yeah, they're but. they're close too. It's just you know, like we said, the turnover game is huge, and you cannot win games when you're minus three in turnovers. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's interesting to see you know what they've done this year too, because they're zero and three at home, mm-hmm. and they're two and zero away. Mm-hmm. So maybe that says something about them, mm-hmm. you know, finding some sort of a way uh, potential in the playoffs. I don't know what's next for them. I, I'm not confident that they'd be able to beat Houston anyways, so it is what it is. Yeah. Alrighty, and then um, looking at the Battlehawks defenders, that was another game. This, you know, it's it's funny. If you asked me last week 
what's the shoe in in terms of prediction? What's the easy one to pick? I would have to say this game. You're talking about the Battle Hawks who have just been consistent throughout this entire season against a defenders mm-hmm. team who went on a massive slump. So I would have easily picked the Battle Hawks in this game, but it didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen that it was a defenders game through and through. They did bench Jones, as we mentioned, started Tyree Jackson. Um, but none of it mattered because it was the Jarrell Presley show, and he was the running back of this game. Yeah. He had 15 carries for 107 yards um, compared to um, Pumphrey, who was the starting back for um, – oh, wait, pardon me. He was the backup on this team. And Presley wasn't even the starter heading into this week, but he came in with the 107 yards compared to the guy who started last week in Pumphrey who had 37. So now here we are. And, you know, possibly the defenders who were one of those teams that would use uh, different schemes and different, um, you know, trick plays to, you know, coordinate their offense. Now they're looking like, okay, since we had to bench Jones, he hasn't been doing, you know, anything with the football. We might have to be a run first football team. Yeah. Um, and if, if, if I gave out the award for the XFL player of the week, it would be Presley, considering the fact that the team was at such a low and he was able to carry that offense. Yeah, putting football. Yeah, just like that, putting the team on your back and being able to just rush for all that stuff and say, we don't need to throw in this pass first league. Yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead and rush our way to a victory, and it was cool to see. No doubt. And then what's funny about it is if you look at the stats in this game, it's they're very deceiving because, you know, you look at how St. Louis performed. They had no turnovers. Um, back got um, – Jones, the back, got 70 yards, which obviously, you know, isn't great, but he's been a fantastic rusher. They've been a run-first offense, 70 yards. It's not too bad in the XFL. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a receiver go for over 100 yards. I think that's the first time that's happened all season for them yeah. just because they've been such a run-dominant team. And they even led the game in tackling. So, you know, defense performed well for the most part. So you hear all that, and you're like, how did the Battlehawks lose this game against this team? Yeah. And then you finally see the stats that start to show it. And the problem was is that they could not get first downs consistently. They were 4 for 16 on third down. Yeah. Um, they were 0 for 2 on fourth. And then when they were in the red zone, um, they went 0 for 2. So they just could not, like, they just weren't clutch in terms of yeah. offensive production. When you need to be good on offense, it's third down, it's fourth yes. down, it's in the red zone. Like, those are the top keys Part, parts of the uh, XFL that we're seeing, especially with all these fourth down conversions that we're seeing. No doubt. Um, and going for it because of the whole punt rule. Um, you got to be collecting those situations and you got to be able to just football's football. If you can't score, you're not going to win, right? And it's, it's, it's simple, but it's yeah. true, right? Yeah, I got, when you're in the red zone as an offense, you got to put six points up. Yeah, and they, and they just fail to do it. And realistically, I think this game's probably a fluke for St. Louis. I think they just really didn't execute mm-hmm. well. I think they're going to come back next week unless for some reason, you know, this trend continues. Then all of a sudden if you they, get yeah. one loss, all of a sudden you just It's like the Midas down. touch, right? You get the whole, it's <laughs> you crazy. Get this, it's like their touch. Like yeah. The Vipers had it, and then all of a sudden – or no, the, the Wildcats had it, and then they gave it to the rent, uh, <laughs> the defenders, and the yeah. defenders give it – or the Guardians. And the, it's all just back the whole, and forth. It's all crazy. It's everybody. Everybody's, so, everybody's gotten this touch at one point, but except for the Roughnecks. Except for the Roughnecks. And I think, again, I think the Battlehawks are the second-best team in the league, yeah. really. I think they're – you know they're made to win football games. I think this game was a fluke. I think they're going to be just fine heading into next week. As for the defenders, it's they're in an interesting situation now because it's not like their offense was phenomenal. Um, so now I wonder, you know, are they going to stick with Jackson, or maybe they decide they want to try again with Cardell next week? Who knows? 
Only time can tell, but overall... Probably got to go with the hot hand in this situation. I wouldn't be surprised to see, see Jackson, Jackson out there, there again. Yeah, I, I probably would agree with you as well. I, I mean, Cardo, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. He's gotta, it's sub- I'm almost 100% positive it's a psychological thing. I don't think it's... He has the talent. Yeah. It's just in his head. Yeah. Like, ever since he had that bad game in week four. Um, Moving on to L.A. and um, the Vipers here. Vipers. We were... You know, seeing this game, it's a little bit of a night game there in L.A. Look, 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 yeah. fun under the lights. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, on ESPN. And, yeah, and uh, Josh Johnson. We oh, we I should have put this in the headline segment, but one of the funniest parts of the whole XFL this weekend was this is the XFL, right? Josh Johnson. He calls up his uh, offensive coordinator <laughs> and then just screams at him, says, "You know, stop being so annoying." And what, like, I don't even know what he said, but he yeah, I don't was like, was like, you do not talk to your offensive coordinator that way. Ooh. And then he stinking took the like he, you know, the offensive coordinator normally dials up the quarterback, sure. and like, and so he like literally went over the phone, like, dial up the offensive OC. I need to talk to him, and like, does this whole like bashing him, like, stop, you know, making me whatever the heck he said, mm-hmm. and then just slammed the phone on him, right? Hung up on him. I'm like, what? Like yeah. that was that was okay. It. This is the XFL. Like I don't know if that was a stage. Thing. <laughs> almost, it almost felt like reality TV stage. I was like, did that just happen? It made me wonder. Like, I made me wonder how often that happens in the NFL. We just don't catch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I, I could the whole transparency of the XFL. It's 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 no doubt about fun it. to watch. Like, what does that happen regularly? I mean, I can totally <laughs> see like an Aaron Rodgers getting a call from someone that's watching in the booth, yeah. just being like, "Dude, you don't know. Like, I got it. I'll be fine." Yeah, yeah, like, I can totally see that kind of mentality happening. Perfect. But you're right. That was a uh, it was a moment, <laughs> and the XFL has had several of those, uh, you know, throughout yeah. this season. So. so that was I should have put that in the headlines, but yeah. that was that was definitely a moment for me in this game that I was like laughing at. Yeah, and oh, the XFL so cool because of that. And you watch that. For me, I mean, we were excited for this game because we had the potential of getting to go. Yeah. Possibly even be in the press box, which was exciting. We couldn't make it, but we've been in talks with the Wildcats. Yeah, we might be able, we're going to be at this next one. Potentially yes. against the Roughnecks, which is yeah. the best game they could play. Yeah. Um, we're going to see PJ Walker go. in live fashion. Yeah. I'm, so it's going to be fun. Anyways, yeah. So the hometown team, we could be able to go to them. But in this game, a lot of offense, not really a lot of defense. Um, yeah, especially from the Wildcats. Honestly, except for the except for the yeah, the, I talked about the big man earlier yeah, in the, the show. Plays. They, they made the they plays. They had the, the scoop and score, so that was cool to watch. But, but when you when you look at the Vipers' offense, they had 434 total yards. Yeah. Cornelius threw for 300. Um, he only he only had 12 incompletions. So yeah, what did we talked. He, he did good. It was amazing to see though the the fight and the grit from the Wildcats coming out because no what question. they were down 17-0, 17-0 Um yeah. the whole strip sack right away or oh, no not strip sack it was a pick on the first play right Josh yeah. Johnson threw a pick yeah. on the first on his first, very first play out there and you're just kind of like left there like oh god we have so it's like the tale of two uh, Josh Johnsons right you know you got the one Josh Johnson that plays phenomenally and then you have the Josh Johnson that's like. You know, the whole when they played the Renegades and then when they played earlier in the season. And so it's like, which guy are we going to get today? You know, hopefully we got the good Josh Johnson well, today. Yeah. And him being throwing that first play, you're just like, oh, boy. Well, we talked about his ability to play before mm-hmm. and how we mentioned that he's an instinct kind of quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a quarterback that can read defense as well or he's not really a game, you know, manager. He, he just makes plays. He enjoys to make plays. He had a yeah. lot of deep balls in this game that he eventually started to figure out and get a rhythm to in the yeah. second half. And I think you're right. And what you said last week, if he's not thinking, he's a good quarterback. 
Yeah, when he's and playing. In the second half, that's I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and a credit to him, too, of him being able to make a lot of plays. He didn't have his top receiver, Nelson Spruce, out there. Out, yeah. um, so him being able to find the tight ends and find the tight ends early was a big deal for him because th- that was really what jump-started the, jump their offense and kind of like opened up the other receivers for like some of those deep bombs. Yeah, but uh, to me, the concern for L.A., and it's been a concern this whole entire season, is there's two parts of their game that is really, really hurting them. That's passing defense, and it's turnovers. They yeah. just had too many turnovers this year to the to the point where it's, you know, like it, that's not going to help you yeah. in the long run at all. They had four in this game, and um, yeah, I, I think they kind of not that I would say they got lucky to come back, but I just think, you know, that Johnson just kind of you know kicked it into high gear. Yeah, and that's really what happened. Really, I I, I don't think. The defense did anything spectacular in terms of stopping the Vipers throughout the entire game. Um, they just kind of just held on tight until the last play when they kind of made the game icing play and finished it off. Um, but nevertheless, Wildcats get a big win there. Mm-hmm. They needed that win for sure to stay oh, yeah. alive and to keep up with the Renegades and Roughnecks in the West. And the Vipers, hey, I mean, yeah, they have a 1-4 and four record, but the last two games they've looked really, really good. They're on the up. So no longer are they a guaranteed win, it seems like. They were at the beginning, not in <laughs> So All right, we want to move on to week uh, six, like, matchup type thing. Yeah, we can that, do, uh, do a little bit of a projecting here. Yeah, a little bit Last of Last little segment. Sure. Um, so we got the Houston Roughnecks, New York Guardians. Ooh, Guardians two. are – this is going to be – I'm definitely going to be – It's probably the top matchup of the week. I'm excited sure. about this matchup. To me, it's so uh, – to me, it's like this is this is how you show how this works. The, the Roughnecks are like this. They made that climb, they're and they're kind of just, you know, yeah. keeping in that balance. The Guardians were like this. Started middle, went down, and now they're all the way up here. Yeah. So you're kind of meeting. Those two teams are kind of meeting in the same spot. Um, and that's why that's an exciting thing because momentum, I don't think there's any de- denying at this point that momentum is a real thing. Yeah. Um, maybe in this league, not so much. But very emotional, very it's, it's, momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that both teams are kind of at a high point right now. So it's going to be exciting to see how they play. Who do you got to win? Um, here's the deal. Ooh, I can't wow. go. I mean, I can't go against my guy Luis Perez. Ooh. He he's just been the guy who's been just the absolute rock, right? I, I don't know. You're you're gonna go with your, your boys over there in Houston, That's but right. uh, I just really like the way their defense is playing. Like their their defense has been playing solid all year. Really, it's just the whole offensive debacle. Yeah, it's been and cool. so if if Perez can get out there and just you know dot him up a little bit. I think uh, you know you've got a roughnecks team that's you know they're comfortable you know the 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 guardians are hungry they're gonna come out and maybe show them where is this game being played though that's gonna it's be it's gonna be in New York okay that's gonna be, a, New that's York. be a little plus for the yeah. New York as well so yeah, man. they play well at that home stadium unless McLaurin's playing but <laughs> uh, won't trust me um, I think I'm gonna go with the roughnecks I think they're yeah. the better football team and. You know, I, I do know that the Guardians have momentum, but P.J. Walker, he's going to make the plays when they matter most. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Houston on that one. All right. Uh, moving into the next one, yes. let's go with the Battlehawks versus Vipers. This is another tight another one. This is going to be another one. tight one because the Vipers we're talking are they're, they're not one of those teams that – They're on the trajectory. They're, they're about to blast off, right? Yeah. And it just seems like if one or two things go right for them, they're winning um, that ball game down there in LA and 
You know, I'm gonna have to go with the Vipers on this one. I think right. I think hey. Cornelius is playing well, yes. even though Tamau and, and the Battlehawks and uh, they're they're playing just all around good team football, like I've been saying the yeah. past five weeks. Um, I just think the Vipers, you know, they're due. They're due. All right. Well, you know what? I'm I'm going with the Battlehawks right. here. So we got two different. There you go. I just think you know I think St. Louis is gonna be motivated coming off their loss against DC where they just didn't execute well, and I think they're gonna come out and they're they're gonna be fine. I think they're gonna execute well. Yeah. Man, I'm looking at all these matchups, and you know we're, we're moving into the next one with Dallas versus DC here. These are going to be some tight matchups. Like I don't know who you could go either way yeah, with one of these teams. Both of these teams are just so underwhelming right now. I don't think there's anything yeah, exciting about either of them. That DC, you're hoping that they're going to make this jump back, but Cardell, you know, he probably won't get the start. But I'll go with Jackson, and who know. knows who's going to be at quarterback for the Renegades? I don't know if we're going to go with Allen or if we're going to go with. Uh, if, if, you know Nelson, Landry. Landry. Oh Nelson, I mean not Nelson. Okay. Um, yeah, I said Allen. Nelson. Yeah. Uh, you know, so who knows? Uh yeah, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Both teams that don't really have any direction at the QB yeah. position right now. Well, I, I think I'm just gonna go with DC winning this one. I'm gonna go DC as well, just because yeah. they're at home. I, yeah. I think that you know they they've been pretty that's, solid home. That's so been far. that's the reason I pick them too. They're three zero at home. Home game. So, so I'm gonna go with them. Yeah. All right, next one. Last game, L.A. versus Seattle. Once again, I feel like the Wildcats are always the last game. I don't know what that's about, <laughs> but yeah. They're always on Sunday. They only play on Sunday. I noticed that. Yeah, that's they only weird, on isn't it? They haven't had a Saturday game all year. So. Um. This. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just I can't get over the fact that Seattle just doesn't win games, close games, and I feel like you know they're going to have a tough time containing Johnson um, if he continues to perform the way he has been. And Spruce, is he going to come back next week? I don't know. I don't know. I, I was originally thought he was going to come back this last week, but um, I guess the injury was a little worse than I yeah. thought. But hopefully he does make it back. I, I, I have to go with the Wildcats here. I think they have more to play for than the Dragons right now in terms yeah. of the standings. So I'd go with the Wildcats. Yeah, I think the Wildcats, You know, even though the Dragons are, are faithful, who knows with the whole coronavirus thing going around, if the, oh, if the Dragons will have a, have a home stadium. Because the, their, their crowd has been electric, right? Yeah, they've been But the great. whole Seattle thing, like I think that's right in the epicenter of like where a lot of the yeah. deaths were happening, yeah, there, right? Well, there's a, yeah, like there's been talks of the Sounders, which is the MLS team, yeah, um, having to relocate some games because of that whole situation. And yeah, so who knows what that whole setup? Yeah, this game is actually in Seattle. If that if that'll affect the fandom, like, are there any even fans showing up to this game? If not, that'll be weird as heck. Yeah, we'll see. Football, yeah. a quiet football game because of the oh, that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> like, why would you play? Nightmare. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I I'm gonna go with the Wildcats too because uh, that whole situation yeah. and. and um, who knows? They might not have their their beloved home 12th man there uh, up there. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I just wanted to end the show real quick, kind of giving just a playoff rundown since we are midseason at mm-hmm. this point. We're past week five, heading into week six. Um, the way that this league is run is there's a east and a west division. Right. Each division has four teams. In the east, it's the Defenders, Battlehawks, Guardians, and Vipers. And in the west, it's the Roughnecks, Renegades, Wildcats, and Dragons. Yeah. Um, so right now we're kind of looking at a situation where in the playoffs, the top teams in the East and the West face off, those being the top two teams, and then the victors of each division goes into a final matchup. Um, I just kind of want to get what you think is going to happen in terms of playoffs. What do you, what teams do you see kind of making it out of each division and where, where are you at right now? Well, it's tough to forecast anything right now with this league. Of course we, we thought, 
you know, who knows if somebody else is going to pull a DC Defender thing where else and they start tanking or maybe the Defenders start getting better again. But right now what I see is, of course, um, in the West, we have the two Texas teams. We've got Seattle and L.A., right? Yeah. So the two Texas teams, I think um, you're going to find the Roughnecks. Well, I- I'm going Roughnecks and Wildcats. I think they're going to be in that playoff margin because yeah. it's the two teams that they'll take in that semifinal. And then on the East – you know, this is going to be a tough one because so many of these teams are playing so well in the East now. We got the Guardians are playing, are starting to play better. The Battlehawks are playing well. Um, the Vipers are getting better. Yeah. It's this whole thing. Even though, so I'm definitely going to think maybe on this one, who the Defenders could end up pulling it. It's going to be close in the East. Well, right now the Defenders, Battlehawks, and Guardians all have a three and two record. Yeah, so they're all sharing the top of the standings in that sense. So who's who's going to end up edging each other out? I, for me, I believe in the defenders. I think they're going to get okay. back on track eventually. Um, and then I also believe in Luis Perez Guardians. And I think they only got up from here. So I'm I'm saying Battlehawks don't make it. Um, that's a hot take there. That but I think, <laughs> I think the defenders and Guardians will be in that slot. And then who do I think is going to win the semi-playoff? Yeah. I don't know. But let's just go. I'm staying on the hot hand, Luis Perez, boom, and then I'm going to go Houston Roughnecks, boom. And I think this next weekend is going to be the the playoff, the finals the, matchup. The finals matchup. We're going to see Houston Roughnecks versus Guardians as a preview. I could be wrong, but that's just where my forecast brain and the way things are playing out now. Who knows? Wow. Two weeks later, I may look like an idiot because all of a sudden the Roughnecks have tanked. But <laughs> I'm, I must say, dude, you... You're a wizard about this Hopefully. Uh, predicting stuff, so I I'm kind of uh, nervous that you picked the Battlehawks not to make it because I want to see the Battlehawks yeah. in there. I would love to see them. They're definitely my favorite uh, uniforms. <laughs> favorite uniforms, probably my favorite home environment was yeah. watching them play. Oh yeah, yeah. I would True. love to see the Battlehawks make it. Um, I think at this point you'd be foolish not to pick the Roughnecks out of the West, mm-hmm. but I do agree with you in the sense that it doesn't seem like the Renegades are going anywhere. The Dragons, I don't have any faith in them. The Wildcats, on on the other hand, they have been scoring the ball well, mm-hmm. and I think at the end of the day they will be able to make it and get past Dallas. So I would agree with you in the yeah. West matchup. The East is really, really difficult. Yeah, it's I. The only team that I'm confident in picking is the Battlehawks, which okay. is I, I, I had them stay out. Yeah, and you know, right now it's I'm eager to pick the Guardians over the Defenders, just because I don't know if the Defenders are going to be able to get a lot out of their uh, you know Tyree Jackson. And I don't know if Cardell Jones can come back and really, you know, prove anything mm. to me again. I, I don't know. There's just so much questioning on the DC side right now. So I would also go with the Guardians. And okay. The Guardians Battlehawks. Guardians Battlehawks. And I want to see the Roughnecks Battlehawks final. That's what I want. Roughnecks Battlehawks. I've been wanting that since week two when they played. It was a great yeah. game. It, it felt like that was a yeah. playoff type game. Yeah. So. so that's where we're at. But yeah, it's it'll be exciting to see how this continues. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see, like, I'm assuming a lot of these teams are going to have the same record once yeah. you know the season. And we're going to come down to point differentials, yeah, that whole be, thing. Maybe some fun. see how that all works out. But it's going to be fun for um, sure. Yeah, so that was a great episode, I think, yes, right sir, there. Man, Let's go. Uh, thank you guys for tuning into um, in with a new and XFL podcast. That's Micah right. and Jordan here. We thank you so much for listening and continue to like and subscribe. Please click stuff, share stuff. You know, we're we're trying to build this. Brand, right? Right. And, and, and we're getting build build this brand for their brand. Yeah. Building the whole thing for the love of football, baby. Yes, sir. Alright, they're out. <laughs>